And I had some slides. I know that the way it works um, just with technology, uh, we weren't able to transfer them. So I'm not going to have any slides for you guys. Kind of hurts a little bit because it goes with the visuals. I have a lot of visuals that I want to be able to share with what I'm going to be speaking on today. Uh, I was going to give you guys just a little bit of my background and who I am. And, you know, I didn't just teleport from heaven here today. You know, it's like that. There's a reason. Uh, and even just knowing Tim, Tim was someone that I've done youth pastoring with. Me and Jamie actually are the pastors of uh, the youth at Life City of Glen Fair. Uh, but then we actually have a church plant that meets later because a lot of people our age, the younger generation, they don't really like getting up early. So a lot of them have to go six o'clock at night. So we have a church in the same building uh, that they meet at night. And so they work, we're actually leaders there as well. And so it'd be similar to this building, you know, after this service, you guys come back again. And you got all the, the young people in the city showing up. We, we, you know, we, need, the, we need the next generation, right? Um, and so, what I'm going to be sharing with you guys this morning is really just the words that are over my life, kind of just the testimony that God's speaking in this season. And really, so the title would be up there is Inheriting God and Family. And where I'm going to start, if I can just go real quick, I'm just going to open up with prayer, and then we'll just jump in and see what God has to say to us this morning. So God, I first just say thank you for the opportunity God, I thank you for what you're doing with him, and even today that he is doing a service, I believe, in Portland, or wherever it is that he's doing uh, the dedication. God, I thank you that you allow each one of us to be in your presence, that Jesus, that is by your blood that we can have a relationship. And God, I thank you that you have allowed me to see a different portion of the family, that we are all your children, that we have all been named by you, God, we've been chosen by you, and this is an opportunity for just my other mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and family of God to experience who you are through me, and I get to experience who you are through them, Lord. We are one family, God, so I just thank you that your glory needs to shine today, that we get to see that there's something going on, and we want to know exactly what that is, God, because your will is perfect for each one of us. God, we want to participate. I pray you would just Forgive me because I'm not going to try. I don't want to be dry. I was told that my voice can be a little soothing. So if you fall asleep, it's okay. I'm not going to be offended. See you guys starting to doze off. Um, and maybe I can just show you from here. Hopefully you guys have your glasses. Um, yeah, it's okay. So I have this thing, this first subject. It's a picture. Can everybody see that? And so it's a picture of a kid who's actually being crowned. And so I just want you guys to kind of get a, men a mental picture of what this looks like. And picture yourself in that seat. Sin is real, you know what I mean? Amen. And we just thank God. 
God that Jesus, through our family, we get to be people who are cleansed from that sin, but we also get to be people through the blood of Jesus that represent a better way. Right? He said that he's the way, he's the truth, he's the life. And so in that way, my parents didn't know the way. <laughs> my mom and dad didn't know God. My dad is actually from Nigeria. He was deported back to Nigeria in 1982. Got involved with some, I'm, I'm originally from Berkeley, California. That's where I was born. I moved up here when I got saved in 2010. Are you from Berkeley? Oh yeah, very nice, cool. Yeah, and so my mom and my dad, there wasn't a wedding. They kind of just did their thing, and then here came me, and here came my sister. They weren't in a place mentally to steward me and my sister, so we grew up in the foster care system in California from age 3 to 18. I'm 36 today, but by the grace of God, he sent... Uh, not today. <laughs> yes, 18 years ago, I exited out of the foster care system. And since then, there's just been a journey of God's extraordinary power, extraordinary favor, just to lead people like yourselves across my path and to show me that there's a better way. Because we know that we all inherit something, right? And in this picture, as a kid, with the mindset that, okay, life had already given me something that labeled me as a victim. It labeled me in a place where I'm not gonna have what other people have because there was this imbalance in love that I was meant to receive, right? But we know that God actually has a different story because in his identity of me, it wasn't one that says that you're a victim, right? In, in Christ, we're all victorious, right? Yeah. And so in this place, as God has been speaking to me through beautiful people like yourself, he's brought in a lot of godly people that just chose by their own will to say, you know what, Denny? You know, even though you came from this broken family, we see good in you. We want to invite you into our house. We want to help you get on your feet. And during that time, I was a, I was bad. <laughs> you know, when you grow up in a place where you're around a lot of kids who are hurt, I was in a lot of foster homes, group homes until I turned 18. I learned a lot of things. And instead of those defects of character being corrected, sometimes they actually, they say when people go to jail, they learn more how to be a criminal. And so when you're, when you're in a house full of hurt people, it's easy just to be hurt more. And in the places where God has actually led me to people who actually could speak love and say, even though your father wasn't there, I'll, I'll take you in. Even though your mother wasn't there for you, I'll take you in. I choose to love you. And it's the people that took responsibility for my life that changed that identity from one that says I have a deficit to one that says I've inherited something greater than I could ever ask for. I've inherited not only God, but I've inherited a family. And so as I, for my story, it, it, it's gonna, it, I can't tell it all today just because of sake of time. But I wanted to kind of give you guys an idea of just the background um, that I'm coming from. I mean, I can, I can dress, I mean, I think I look pretty sharp today. I'm going to be here, so I wanted to be a little fly. But at the same time, I wasn't always nice and dressed up and, you know, didn't have a good job and didn't have a place where I can actually represent God. And so most of that 18 years of being saved, it was learning, really, how to receive love. And I think the biggest thing, I don't want to get too far from my sermon, the biggest thing that happens with each one of us is that we, whether we like it or not, we inherit something. And so whether I was around my mother or my father or not, I still inherited something that made me like them. And with each one of you, think about your mothers and fathers. Or for those who maybe didn't have that kind of background and maybe they weren't there 
just think about the things that you've inherited. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, Tim, who I love, is a good friend of mine. Uh, we, we, we pastored the youth together, but we also attended discipleship groups together. Tim was uh, a pastor at Glen for a long time before. My good buddy, my friend, my family member, Stefan Sirianni, took over the head pastor at Glen Fair. Uh, me and him are roommates. I'm recently engaged to Jamie right here. God's leading me down the path to more and more holiness. For those married couples that know, it doesn't get any easier, right? <laughs> so at the moment, I'm celebrating my singleness, but at the same time, I'm ready to inherit God's blessing. Hallelujah. And so me and Tim, we we were pastors together. We kind of got to know each other. We're not like the best of friends. I haven't known Tim like more than two years, maybe. Um, but our connection that we have was one that was really just a brotherhood of him wanting to be more, of him wanting to go further in God, but also recognizing the further you want to go, the lower you got to get. You know what I mean? Because with God, it's not so much about what I can do for him. Really, it's his will and how I'm participating with that. That's right. And I was going to say, I'm going to fast forward to just some of my testimony, just because it's a long story and I don't want it to be too much about my story, but really about what we're inheriting as a because there's things that God had stored up for me from 18, I would say, to now. It's not been like, it hasn't been like I had this superpower that came out of the sky. It's been average, ordinary people like yourselves that the Spirit of God would say encouraging things through to help change that identity. And one of the biggest ones was my good friend, Stefan Sirianni. He was the first person to actually step into my story. Uh, in 2012, a church helped me go meet my dad for the first time in Nigeria. It was amazing. I went to Africa. I was like, oh my gosh, like, this is the third world. I'm just like, Lord, thank you. You are so favorable that you had me born in America. This was such good in Africa. I was so grateful to be American. Even though I was in Africa, and I was so grateful to see my people. And it's like, wow, most of my life, uh, I go by Demi, but my full name is Ide Muja. Obi-Gun, so I have a very African name. But growing up, kids would ask, like, what's your name? You know, you'd be in school, you know, you're sitting in attendance, you know, and then you have a substitute teacher, they come in, they're like, well, okay, we have, you know, John Allen, you're like, here, you know, we have Bob, you know, Williams, you know, here. It's like, then we have, I, I'm sorry, I'm gonna butcher this a little bit. We have Edith, he did movies, uh, oh, good. That, anybody in the back? In the back? All my friends are like, who is that? What's your name, Denny? Hey, I, I think they just named me, I don't know. And in that place, it actually, I felt bad at times. I would feel shame. I'm like, I don't know where my name comes from. I don't even know who my parents are. I really don't know. There's a lot of question marks. But as I went there and actually saw the people, there was an awakening that happened within me because it showed me not only was I not a victim, I was actually very blessed. Because in that, in the cities, it's just like, you guys have heard, we've had missionaries that have gone out there. It's true, the power, there's the water, the food shortage, the things that we take for granted. So I started to really look at my life differently, that God had been blessing me from a young age, That's preparing right. me to be able to meet a group of people who don't have a voice. And I, even, a, even a group of people that do have a voice, but a 
different way to really see for each one of you what you've inherited. Uh, on my slide here, I have three keys to inheriting God. And I wish I could talk with you guys longer. I don't know how much time I have, but I don't, I don't want to bore you guys. But uh, there's parts of my story, like I said, I don't want to leave this out. Uh, a good friend of mine, his name is Stefan, he came from actually the background that I've come from. Same thing, broken family. I used to be so prideful where it's like, I don't want to receive anybody, anything from a, a man of God unless he knows what it's like to grow up without a father. You can't preach to me about the father if you, if you had your father. It's a harder concept to receive a father when you haven't had a father. And then all the Bible is talking about is the father's love and how great the father's love is for us and how good and faithful the father is and how merciful. But then all I could feel was the deficit of not being able to experience that, not being able to experience someone there to celebrate you when you score your first goal or someone to say, good job, I raised you well. You actually are doing well in this class. I've taught you to be this. But at the same time, I recognize that God being all omnipotent and as great as he is, he's able to manifest through people. Because even though I didn't have that, there's constantly been this switching that's been happening where God is saying, it's not about what you don't have. Because I've actually manifested. Remember that conversation you were having with Will? Or you were at the grocery store? Remember you were having that conversation? Do you remember that look that was in his eyes? That was me manifesting through him. Do you remember it looked like he wanted to cry? That was my love saying, I see you. And there's been conversations I've had with people where I can't understand the emotion that I feel. Or they just went out of their way. Hey, you're walking, yeah. you're on the bus, you're getting ready to get on the bus. Like, do you need a ride? And it's like, you know, here's this black guy, you know, in the middle of the city. It's like, really? You think I'm going to rob him or something? It's like, there's a goodness that's within me that he's seen, that God's saying, you're not marked by right. the mistakes of your family. You're actually marked by my goodness that's in you. And that incorruptible seed, that incorruptible seed is not corrupted by your parents. It can't be corrupted by the things that you've done. It can't be corrupted by the sins that I participated in. It can't be corrupted by my own things. But it's something that's given of God. And we know that the things of God cannot be corrupted. That's right. And in this place, for someone to take me in and start showing me, actually, the thing that keeps me from inheriting God and inheriting his family is actually the places where I hold on to the past, where I make excuses for the reasons why I think the certain ways that I think. Come on, and I blame come on. it on. <laughs> it's easy to post the blame on people, right? It's like, well, if I had this, I wouldn't think this way. If I, if I didn't experience that, I wouldn't have this kind of expectation. And God sent a man who's very bold into my life. He's my same age, but the wisdom that God gave him is because he's come from the same background. And he's allowed God to soften those places of his heart to where he could tell me, Dave, the problem isn't people. The problem is where you're just holding on to something old. Because it says in the Bible that as we are in Christ, that all things have become new, right? So I can't be named by even my parents. Because Jesus said, who is my mother? Who is my father? It's like those who do the will of God. So in, even in the same place, I can't be defined by the mistakes of my parents. And so as, as I begin being discipled by him to look differently, to think differently, to not name myself by what I receive on this earth, but I got to start looking for the spiritual. You know, because it says the, the, the spiritual things that are going to be eternal. On my, on my my list here, it says three keys to inheriting God. As I was going through this, uh, my, I lost my slide. Somehow it was deleted. Uh, it's, it's interesting sometimes how technology works. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the enemy is like, no, I'm going to steal this moment. I don't want the people to relate to this message. But even in this, I'm like, okay, it was an opportunity to go back to when I was in kindergarten. You know how they tell you the story and they walk around and they 
show you the photo. Okay, you see this? You in fact, let me go back here. It's kind of cool, y'all. Yeah. He's always doing something. But three keys to inheriting God and family. And God began to speak to me, and this is something we've been going through, Jamie and us, through our discipleship group, because we know that no matter how old you get, we always are being, we're still disciples of Christ, right? We're still following him. We're still learning to let go, as as uh, Beth said. It's, it, some, it takes forever. I mean, I, some of it we're going to struggle with, but there's a real place that these heart positions will help us see why is it sometimes hard to inherit or receive the inheritance. As I showed you guys in this picture, this is a responsibility that we've all been given. If you imagine this kid getting ready to be crowned, sitting in that, can you, did you guys see that back there? Were you guys able to see this? And it's a kid who's getting ready to have a golden crown put on his head. And in this place, what is the identity of this kid? It's obviously royalty, right? Um, but with royalty, do you think he understands the fullness of what that responsibility is going to mean? Does he understand the stewardship that he's going to be called to? I think in this place he's just like everybody's looking at me because I'm up here. <laughs> but in the and I don't know if this looks like a bishop, he, he may not be the king. But in this picture, it's actually saying you're being given something, you're inheriting something that you will not know how to do on your own. In this place where I'm inheriting something that I will not be able to carry alone. In my statement here, I wish it was on the screen, it's okay. It says, the first key to inheriting God and family is the placement. It's interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you to Portland just a little bit because some people, when they hear people talk about God, they don't know how to relate it in different ways that are very relatable. And so in Portland, I mean, that's out here too, there's sinners everywhere. There's a lot of craziness going on. So sometimes you gotta speak their language because their morals are really not based off the Bible, they're based off of other things. And so in this picture, just to give you an idea of placement in some, some ways like the way of the world can take such a deep root in us. This man is named Ziona Chana. He's a man that lives in India. And I bet you would want to know what he's known for. A lot of people, huh? This is his family. This is him and his family. You see that? You probably can't see it. It looks like a, a class picture. Huh? Yeah, see that? So, so in this, he actually has the world's largest family. But I wouldn't say that it's based on godly principles. Because it says that he has 181 members of his family. He has 39 wives, 94 children, 14 daughters-in-law, and 33 grandkids. So we know when you hear a story like that, it's like, okay, obviously he's not following Jesus. Because we know that God already said that let each man have one wife. And, <laughs> and so we know that maybe he's in India and there's a whole different moral. 
My point isn't really to, to judge his morals or where he's at, because obviously Jesus is still pursuing this man. <laughs> Jesus never gives up on any one of us. So who knows? He might, he might be saved in the future. Hopefully some missionaries can talk to him and see where they're at. But that wasn't the point of this story. The point of this story that God was speaking to me as I was reading it is how can a man who has 39 wives and 94 children be a perfect father to each one of them? Have the intimate time that's intentional with each one of them and give them what they need to believe that they're loved. And 39 wives, that means there's all these mothers who might feel some kind of way about the other wife and the time that she gets with him. And there's this bitterness. There's all these things that happen to, to where the kids can easily be forgotten, right? Is that a healthy environment for a child to grow up in? And as I was looking at this, God's heart began to even pour out even more to say, now let's look at the children. And we're talking about placement here. Did they have a choice to where they were placed? Did they get to choose to be born in a family with 39 moms and one dad and 80, okay, if I'm one of them, 93 brothers and sisters? I don't think they had a choice in that matter. But there's going to be a lot of damage that happens in this family because they're not really, they're not, they're not experiencing what they're meant to be, be experiencing. And so as God was speaking to me, he was saying your placement is more important than you know because you didn't have a choice to be born to a family who were addicted. You didn't have a choice that your father would make some bad mistakes and be deported back to Nigeria. But as you're in my family, and as you've been born again, as you've become a child of mine, as you've given your life to Jesus Christ and said, I'm a new man, let all things become new, now you get placed in a place where you don't choose. I would say I chose the church, but then the more that I, just, I see the people that I'm called to, I'm realizing that God placed me in the church. And I believe that God placed you guys here in Florence because there's a specific identity that you're meant to have. There's a specific heart position that is meant to be here because we know that we can't really know what's going on with each other unless we're close, right? We can't know, I can't know what the person back there is struggling with unless I know your story. You guys have a tiny glimpse of mine, but then when you see me again, you'll know I just need love and hugs. <laughs> I still I pretend like I don't need love and I'm grown now, but I still do. I need my moms, I need my grandfathers, I need my grandpas, I need the elders, I need the people who have the wisdom to say, you know, that might not be a good decision, Jamie. You're going down this road. You might not want to talk to Jamie like that. And then the, the fathers that come and say, hey, I've been with a woman, you know, we've been married 30, 40, 50 years. This is the best way to be a blessing. That's right. Because then I can just slide past some of those headaches. And so in this place, the second key I want to talk about, because like I mentioned, the only way we can know who God is in you, not in me, who God is through you, is how close we are. How close am I to you? How, how, how much do I let you in to my life? And so that next key is proximity. When we talk about proximity, I had to define it. Um, and proximity means the nearness in place, time, order, occurrence, or relation. And so how near do I let my fellow brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers, how much time do I allow you to have in my life? What is my relation? 
Because these are things, as I became more and more discipled into God, I had to realize that I was mad about my placement most of my life. I felt like I was placed in a place to just experience hardship. So if God is so good, why would he put me in a place of deficit only to feel what's lacking all the time? But I thank you that all things work together for the good of those who love Christ. And that he will use every enemy's tool to actually become a weapon. Yeah. And in the it, okay, so let me let me shift for in the proximity, I would say, even for you guys, because I don't know the next time I'm gonna preach here. Maybe I'll never preach here again. So there's a part of me that even as God's been speaking to me about the father's heart and this family, I mean, how many people are here for the first time? Oh, you guys are here for the first time. Hallelujah. Oh, that's amazing. That means God is like, my son's going to be there. I have something for you at this time. And, uh, uh, what is today? The 21st of November, you're going to cross paths. You came here for whatever reason. You came to help. He came for whatever reason. I don't know. She came. It's like you can't make this up. Yeah. So I, Lord, I just pray even now, God. I thank you. Lord, I praise you. I thank you for your presence, God. I thank you that you lead people. God, that you're a God that has a word in season for somebody today. God, I thank you that you're a God that overflows with love. And whoever that is meant to be for, God, whoever's heart is needing to be healed in this place where they, they missed out on something, God, just hearing the Father say, I love you. You are exactly where I want you to be. Don't battle with whether, whether you're in my will or not, whether, whether you failed me, whether this mistake is greater, whether your regrets are greater. My love is greater. My heart is greater. You're welcome here. You've been placed here. I want you close. I want you near. There's nothing that can separate you from me. There's no sin. There's no devil, no, no demon. There's no height or depth that can keep us from you, God. Lord, I thank you that your presence reigns in this place, that this is your body, this is your family, and a family is not a family to pop us in the building, God. And so I just thank you that you are here, Lord. I thank you for this moment. I thank you that you're doing it now. And so in that place of proximity, I'm going to just get to the scriptures. Jeremiah 32.8, I was going to put it up there. If you guys want to find it in your Bibles, <clears throat> I also have it here, I'll read it. Jeremiah 32, chapter 32, verse 38 through 40. The verse says, they shall be my people, verse 32. And I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart, one way, that they may fear me forever, for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from doing them good. But I will put my fear in their hearts, so that they will not depart from me. And if you guys have this in your Bibles, I want you guys to just take a moment and look at this. I'm going to highlight some of these areas as I was reading through this. And I do, I, if you guys know me, I try to let my heart be honest. Because the goodness of God constantly takes waves over me. And, and it's hard to explain. Because I think we put the love of God in a box where we see him, all, although he is almighty God, he is the judge. He is the one that we should fear. Because all of our lives are in his hands. We're but vapor. But the truth is, there's such a love that says, I want to be close to you. I want you next to me. 
And then this verse says, they shall be my people. We're talking about Jeremiah, right? This is before Jesus, hundreds of years. And he's prophesying that God is saying this to his people. They shall be my people, inheritance. The greatest inheritance that Jesus even spoke about was people. That he was saying, the people that you've given me, I give to you. The people that you've given me, I've stewarded. Not one of them is lost, except Judas, the son of perdition. We know that Jesus' greatest treasure was the disciple of men and have them walk in faith. So even in this, God's heart is being fulfilled because he's saying, I want them to be my people. But we know in this time they couldn't approach God because of their sin, right? There was no atonement for sin. They couldn't have a place where they could just intervene or intercede and actually talk to God. It says, I'll be their God. Then I will have them, I will give them one heart, one way. That they may fear me. It's interesting as I showed you that picture of uh, what's his face? What's his name? Diona in India. My heart, as I saw that picture, instantly went to the kids. Because like to have 94 kids, one father, and nine and 39 moms, it's like. Dude, I actually didn't have it as bad as I thought I did. <laughs> there are people out there struggling right now. And if there, it's like if all the obstacles in my life, the enemy tried to set up so that I wouldn't get to God, I start looking at, man, those obstacles are going to be tough. Because to trust the love of a mom, to trust the love of a father who doesn't have enough time, and to see that this is something they're going to go their whole lives trying to battle with. No, my father doesn't see me. My mom was always angry at my father. You know, there's so many stories out there that make me just thank God that I was able to find the right path that Jesus actually had. And it's this scripture in Jeremiah that says this, God's heart, that I want to give them one heart, one way. I want my people in this church in Florence, I want them to have one heart. I want them to be close to each other. I want them to not only be close, but I want them to have the fear of me in their hearts. Which means the recognition, like even now, that the love of God is present. That we've all been given something, but it's not just mine. I'm gonna keep it going. I don't know how much time do I have. How long do we have? Another hour. Another hour. All day. All day. Need some water. Then I'll make some requests. You know, if there's a bagel shop, you want to have a nice cheese bagel. That would keep me going. Cheese bagel, whipped cream, or not whipped cream. Get some Starbucks, get the Chango bagel. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> in this verse, and I wish I had it up there, Lord, so I can visualize this. In this verse, there's five things that stood out to me as I read this. Which verse? Uh, Jeremiah chapter 32. Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 38 verse 38. through 40. There's five things that stood out. And as I was going through this, we know that anybody who spends time with God, I know there's a lot of lovely people in here who spend time with God, and he gives you a message for someone. I have to first digest that meal first, right? I got to eat it and taste to see if God is good in that. And as I was tasting this meal, I'm like, man, it's touching things that are still buried. And I believe there's things that, even for you guys, who walk this earth longer than I have. You know, you guys have been here 50, 60, 70, 80, 80 woo, 90 years. 
There's a lot of things that come in 90 years, and those expectations develop. In this, there's five things, and I'm going to get back on that point about inheritance. There's five things that stood out to me. Five times it mentions in this verse, I will. It says, they shall be my people, and I will be their God. Then I will give them one heart and one way, that they may fear me forever, for the, for the good of them and their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them, that I will not turn away from doing them good. He says, I will not turn away from doing them good, but I will put my fear in their heart so that they will not depart from me. As I was reading that, I'm like, oh my gosh, Lord, keep my heart soft in the places Amen. where you're a papa. Yeah. You just want to be with your kids, right? You just want to hold us close. And the, worry, the, 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 the things of the world grow strangely dim in that place. That's right. Because if God holds you, He says, I will put my fear in their hearts so that they will not depart from me. And I realized as a kid, there's things that have me depart from people. As loving as you can be. I depart because I feel things. My placement in the beginning was in the foster care system, so it gave me an understanding of who I was, or at least a set of rules of what I should believe about myself and about people. I've lived with families where they're like, you're a burden. We're going to give you back your social worker. So then I have these thoughts. Like, at some point, people will give up to give you up. And do people actually bear with you through your struggles? Proximity said, I can't be too close to people because that's how you get hurt. That's how you get your, 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 your feelings. And so that led to my third key in inheriting God. And I know these are kind of weird the way I'm going about this. I'm not a teacher. <laughs> I have the heart of a shepherd more than I have a teacher. But I I love God. So hopefully these keys will stick with you guys. More than that, just what God's planning in your heart. The third key to inheriting God and family, I I'll go back to the proximity, is the expectation. And so as we look at the definition of expectation, it says the act or state of expecting. To wait an expectation. An, expect, an expected mental attitude, something looked forward to, a prospect of future good or profit, the degree or probability that something will occur. So in this place for each one of us, no matter what family you come out of or what you were given, as you didn't choose who would be your mother and father, you actually inherited a way of thinking where your expectations grew because of your experiences whether negative or good. In this place, if they're good, you begin to expect this is how people are. But if you've had bad experiences of different kinds of maybe abuse, words spoken over to you, labels placed on you, man, they're, in the culture that I come from, you can, you can point at anybody and it's sad because they've experienced some kind of abuse and they've experienced some kind of neglect or they've experienced some kind of place where someone abandoned them and that's the thing that I'm so grateful for is that I can relate 
in that place. I've never wanted to be able to relate to something so hurtful, but as Jesus takes residence in my heart, it's like, you were abandoned by this? You experienced that? You were left in that dark moment when this person passed away. My dad passed away in 2012. I was so expecting. That was another hurt. I'm like, God, why would you do this to me? Where I had a, a word spoken over me by a prophet that you were going to reap. God's going to rebuild your relationship with your father. You're going to reconcile. And I was like, hallelujah, the church helped me go to Nigeria. I met my father. We reconciled. And in 2013, the next year, he passed away from HIV. And I'm like, okay. I was expecting this future that I could finally know my earthly father. Finally see someone that I'm willing to be obedient to. Because I was bad as a kid. I was very much protected. And I was like, I'm not going to be obedient to nobody but my dad. But I want to be obedient. You're just not my father, so I don't receive your authority. <laughs> I was very much like that as a kid. Tough. But it was all the ways that I wanted to protect my heart. But when my dad died, I heard so clearly. I don't hear the voice of God audibly. I really don't. I hear him through his word, and I hear him through people. And sometimes, you know, you're in the most being of my heart. But I heard him say loud and clear, audibly, I'm your father. Because in that place, I was like, my dad died. I had all these expectations. Man, the, those prophets, they needed to be stoned. They told me the wrong prophecy. He said I was going to be have a reconciliation with my father. I was going to have this this time that I could talk, that we would get to know each other, that I could finally be. I had all these thoughts. And God said, I'm your father. I want that obedience. I want to be reconciled. I want this relationship. I want you to dream. I want you to expect good. I want you to have a high probability when you think you're getting left to know I'm going to show up. I, I want your expectation to be so great. When you call on me, I'm going to be there. And so he has to take me through an us as a family. To inherit him, I have to dispossess the things that I've inherited from the world, right? The things that I've acquired from multiple families, the wisdom that I've learned of how to stay safe when someone says something really hard. How to not feel that when someone talks bad about you or if someone judges you or they wrongfully accuse you. How to not feel that because when you have a heart that feels everything, it keeps you from experiencing a love that was meant to be, that you're meant to be a resident of. That's right. Amen. That God said, I've placed you where? <laughs> What's the closest place that God can place you? He can place you in himself, right? That's right. How long does Tim Bukley preach? 12, 15, 12 o'clock? Preach as long as God tells you. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> All right. Is God speaking something to you guys today? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Come in his presence. photo, and I wish you guys could see his face. I wish you guys could see his face, he's like, yeah, I just got this house. <laughs> That's what he looks like to me, like, he's with his wife and kids, and he just got the keys to his house, and he's like, yeah, my first house, I'm a man, <laughs> I take care of my family. It was just funny, the, the face that he had, but the question that I got from this, as God was saying, in this season of your life, Debbie, it's not just this season, it's been the last seven years that I've been walking through. Each thing that I'm telling you, um, it was hard to acknowledge. Because most of, when I turned 18, I'm like, foster care is over, 
I'm an adult now. I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretend like none of that stuff existed, and now my new life is starting. <laughs> it's like, and I started getting swayed because it's like, man, life is hard. Like, I started, you know, it's just there's a lot of things that happen in the mind and in the heart, and it was like I recognized if I thought I could do this alone, I was I was dead wrong about that because seasons come and relationships and conversations. It's like when I got saved, I didn't know how much I needed to debrief everything. You know, it's like you have a conversation with someone and you walk away and you're like, man, that was kind of rough. What they said was a little harsh. I don't like that. I don't like how they disrespected me with their condescending tone. And it's like, hmm. And there's something that gets said in there to where it's like, okay, she's cut off. <laughs> and that's how I would go throughout life. It's like, I can't trust this person because any moment their, their temper could take over and they'll just say something super hurtful and they don't know I get triggered very easily because I think everybody is out to try to hurt me for some reason. And as I got saved and God began to disciple me, he was saying, each time you feel that, every time you feel that burn in your heart, like, ooh, this has a history of, if you, got, if you only knew that word you just said has a history of bad experiences, but they don't know. And then it's like, as I got saved and God began to speak to me more, it's like, I hear him knocking. Like, let me in there. That's right. Let me in there. It's like, if you only knew, he's like, oh, I know. And it needs that, that fire of his presence to match it. Because there's no fire that can be put out than the fire of God. It's like, you think you have a fire until the fire of God comes in. And it just turns to love. You know what I mean? It's like, I want justice for these people. And then it softens. It's just like, man, I guess they just didn't know. They didn't really expect. They had an idea. I'm going to keep going. Galatians 6.2. I like the New King James Bible. I read it a lot. It's awesome. It says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I mentioned in this sermon, kind of been all over the place, it feels within myself, <laughs> but uh, I just thank God for his presence. Three keys to inheriting God and family, placement, proximity, and expectation. In that place of expectation where there's a degree of probability, each one of us has this thought process where fear might kick in and say, this is what I believe will happen based on, we're like computers. We all have history. We have things saved in us. And in that place, when something happens, you go, oh, I know where this is from. Calculating, okay, so this is what I can expect from her, or this is what I can expect from him. But as God comes into that place, he really wants to restore the, our first reaction. If my reaction isn't one to protect myself, my reaction actually says this person is hurt. And the way that they're reacting is just the way they keep themselves safe. So this isn't about me. And that's one thing that God began to say in these skill sets. It's not about you. But my feelings say, that hurt. That was personal. Because this word is very much tied to a lot of deep roots. And he's like, how could they know that? Like, no one can know what you've experienced 20 years ago. But the enemy does. There is an enemy that's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Right. And yeah. there is an enemy that's actually trying to get you back to an old identity that's actually dead. Yeah. And so to that's walk right. in the new, I have to have a new expectation that no matter where I go, I've inherited a family who has taken responsibility for me. 
that I've inherited the people who actually see me for who I am and that they're willing to sacrifice that I see God. And I have a family that's actually taken me on, not as a project, but as someone that they're honored to do life with. That's right. And this is what I've experienced in my church back in Portland. This is what I've experienced in Jamie, who's come into my life and shown me a mother's heart. And I went through a lot of counseling for that. <laughs> yeah, I've been through a lot of counseling, y'all. I can stand here today as, as clear in thought in some of these places and with God's anointing because he has counseled me. And I'm like, okay, I, I was triggered at first when, they, when God started talking to me about counseling. She was like, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the wonderful counselor. You know, I'm the greatest psychiatrist. Talk to me. I know exactly how to speak right to the heart. You can't be around the bush. You try to tell me the experience. You forgot the details, actually. Here's what really happened. And when God starts going down that track, be careful. <laughs> because you're about to go on an emotional roller coaster when he starts bringing up details that you chose to forgot, to, chose to forget. You know, some experiences are so hard that you bury it because the thought of it actually evokes so much emotion you feel out of control. And having those stuffed, there's no way when something's dead to be resurrected. But we know that God is a God of resurrection. Even of dead things, dead thoughts, dead emotions, not to bring them up to trigger you, but he actually brought them up so that he could reverse what the reaction is. Right. Come on, because that, that place, whoo, yeah, yeah, Lord. It's a real thing. Yes. We need our love of our mothers. All the mothers in here, I feel your hearts. I'm grateful for the love that you guys carry. Thank you, Lord. Healing me right now. Thank you, Lord. In your presence, God. Thank you, Lord. But even as he gave me Jamie, she's so pure, and the love that she has is so real, I can only question it, like, what is she trying to do? At a young age, I never had that embrace of a mother, that safe place to say, you're my son. You don't have to have the nicest beard to get a woman. <laughs> you don't have to wear Ralph Lauren polo shirts to be the best dress to be loved. That's right. You could be funky. I changed your diaper. <laughs> I know you can't feel worse than that. You know, just that safe place to say, no matter what you do, you're safe. And the fact that God, all these years later would manifest through loving mothers like yourself, loving women like Jamie to say, let me hug you, let me serve you. Jamie's like, one day, can I make lunch for you? And I was triggered by that. <laughs> I was like, what, you don't think I know how to make my own lunch? <laughs> I make $60,000 a year at work. Like, I actually have money, I don't need you to, and it was like, I didn't say this out loud. But this was going on inside, like, why? She's like, oh, I just felt like, I want to do this for you. I love it. Like, and I was like, oh, sure. And then the next day, I didn't even eat it. I was driving around, and I was like, you have a lunch? And I'm like, oh, let me pull over here at Burger King and give you a waffle. He's like, you know, I got a lunch sitting there on the, on the seat for you. And I'm like, I started to wrestle with, why am I not eating this lunch? <laughs> Like, why am I against this lunch? Like, what is happening? And that's that part when I'm saying when God starts bringing up stuff that you've chosen to stuff and you didn't want to look at, be careful. Because he actually brought up something I wasn't ready to look at, but he actually prepared my heart to receive it. Where it's like, I remember as a kid going to school, and I had to have the school lunch. And it was like, 
other kids would be like, oh, thank you, Mom, she put gummy worms in here, and Oreos, and you know, all the snacks, graham crackers. I'm like, oh, I like graham crackers. And he's like, oh, and you have that feeling. It's like, oh, I gotta get the school lunch. What are we having today? Oh, macaroni, and, and what is that? Black patty, is that a veggie patty? 1990s, they were, I didn't even know that was there. Veggie patty with like some lukewarm mashed potato and a little milk. It's like, I don't even like milk, unless it's cereal. It's just like those thoughts, you know, it's like, as a kid I had those thoughts, I'm like, man, I'm just, whether at that age, I didn't want to feel like I'm not, like this kid's better than me, so I just stuffed it, kind of like, ah, it's okay. It's whatever, like, I don't want to think about it. But years later, when Jamie made me a lunch, it was like resurrecting something, where I'm like, I don't. And then God's like, remember you always wanted a lunch? Like, I was there, I felt that. I was, I was not happy that you had to feel that. I was not okay that you had to be alone with that. And I'm a God, I'm a God of healing. I'm a God of restoration. I'm a God of favor. I never forget. I, I've been searching you, I've been walking, I've been wanting you close, proximity, come close. And as I opened it, she got cookies and Pringles in there, and a sandwich, <laughs> too much stuff that I couldn't really hold the bag at. It just broke me down. And I'm just like, why would God want to do that all these years later? I'm like, I really need that. I don't need it. But God, thank you that you were so willing. It was good enough that you saved me, but you're still, all these years, still bringing me back to my childhood. And he's like, I'm a father. I told you that. In this place of bearing one another's burdens, I'm going to just speak to you, Florence Church, for a second. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And one of the things that God began to preach to me is that as you've inherited me, right, you're that kid that I put a crown on your head, it's like your royalty, your father is the greatest father in all of the universe. Not only that. That's a great responsibility, right? It's almost like the only way I can think about it is a king crowning this prince and saying, now these people are your people. And how you steward them is going to directly affect how you walk with me. If you walk with me, it says, the people are happy when the righteous are in power, but they're actually sad when the wicked are in right? Somewhere in Proverbs, in Jesus' Proverbs. But it's saying that people rejoice when the righteous are in power because it means that their heart is for service first. You know, and in that place, as we've all been given that inheritance, as we've all been having, we have a crown placed on our head saying that we are sons and daughters of the king. But there is a responsibility to serve the people in love. There is no people, I would say, for this church right now that you guys and the ones that go here. And if we're called to bear our each other's burdens, do you know the story of each other? And if you do, hallelujah. But I know for me, I can't bear a burden that I don't know. And God's like, I want you to be someone that leads people into what it means to carry one another. I'm like, well, okay, what does that do? What does that look like? Share your burdens. It's like, well, I don't really know how to do that. I thought I was going to preach the gospel. I don't need to share all the bad things that happened in my life. People don't need a drama story. But what God was saying is, in that place where you let go of a place that's a burden, it allows people to actually recognize the things that they don't want to look at, so that I can be the God over that. 
so that it's no longer this hidden emotion waiting to be triggered by somebody, but it's actually a place that as it's touched, I come out. And even as I'm here in front of you guys, I'm inheriting God in this moment. Because there's things that I share with you, and I'm like, I shared this before. Why am I emotional? And God's like, because I live there. And if God is there, it says, overwhelming is the joy in the house where God is at, right? It's overwhelming. He says, I want to fill that place with my glory. And people couldn't walk. If you read some of those stories, in the house of glory, people couldn't walk. That glory would overtake them. Because the goodness of God is what leads people to repentance. I can't change if I don't see the goodness. I can't change and see that I've been given something unless I actually see that it's this goodness, as he told David. Surely goodness and mercy will follow you. And it's followed you. It's followed everybody here. Because you're here today listening to me preaching. Yesterday, you didn't even know I existed. Well, hallelujah. <laughs> you didn't even know what part of the world I was on. You were living your life. Now, today, I'm standing in front of you, just known as Tim's friend that he brought down to Portland. But I'm, I'm your brother. And so I'm going to end here, and I'm just going to pray. Because I believe that each person here has a responsibility to carry each other. Whether this is your church or not, a church is actually meant to be the inheritance. That us together, we're receiving something that we can never deserve, which is the kingdom of God. I'm receiving a father that I rejected in my heart many times. A, heart, a father that I said, I don't want. I let the, the pain of my past speak louder than the hope of a future knowing him. And the hope of having relatives like you guys to say, hey, when you said that, I've experienced that. And it's like, actually, will we relate there? We're relatives. And so I'm no longer a person that doesn't have no family, but I'm someone that actually has a big family. Too big of a family, where I know we're going to have some scuffles and some fights and we're going to rub each other the wrong way like any family. But the greatest thing is that we've committed to being each other's lives. And we'll always be here. God, I first say thank you that you are a God who is alive and present. That you're not a God that's far off, that we got to grasp for, but you're a God who's very present. And you've chosen in this moment to release something specific for your people here. God, I just say thank you for what you're doing in my heart. Thank you for what you're stirring in the hearts of the people listening to my voice. God, that it's not by might nor by power, but it's the spirit of God that changes things. But by your spirit, it's not by my words, it's not of my will, but five times you said in Jeremiah, I will do this. I will make a covenant that they may not depart from me. God, you love us so much. You want us close. You've placed us in your family. You've destined for us to know you. What is eternal life? Are we waiting to go to heaven and die and see you? You said this is eternal life, that they may know the Son whom you sent in John 17, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. Lord, I thank you that you manifest, even in this moment, that you walk amongst us, that you are Emmanuel, God with us. And even now, you're healing, you're loving, you're being a mother as you've taken each one of us through that experience. There's people in here that love their mothers, and their mothers have gone to be with you, God. But you're still a God who said, I want you close. Can a, can a, can a mother forget a nursing child at her womb, even if they did forget, I shall never forget you. I described you on the palm of my hand. I love that, God, that you have constantly pursued me. 
God, may these people here in Florence, God, I pray that we would, you would give them strength and courage to let down some of the places where they, their proximity is like, I don't want people in my space. I don't like people too close. God, I pray that you would be the God to speak to that. Because if we do that to people, Jesus, you said to the least of these, you've done it to me. And God, as you come, I don't want to push you away. Give me a heart even now that will not depart from you. Give me a heart that says, the fear of the Lord that says, God, you are in this place. Let me just honor you. I know there's people here that honor you, God, and love you, and I thank you for them. I thank you for each person that I'm grabbing shoulders with. God, this is a blessed church. I pray for Tim as he's out. Lord, I thank you for the stewardship that you've given him of his family. God, I pray that the words that he's speaking and the services that you give here would just be pleasing in your sight, God. Thank Faithful are you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Yes. 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 